be at the 1045 because I'm a late nighter, you know, kind of thing. Uh, not because I party like Jared, but because I pray late. That's what I do. I pray fast, usually at night, like you. Everybody fasts at night, by the way. Um, so, uh, hey, I want to give a couple shout outs before we get into the message today and open, our, open the word today to Psalm 3. A couple shout outs. Uh, our awesome worship team, sound team, ushers, parking, children's for two services. Some of them have been here since 645, setting up, tearing down, getting ready. Can we just give them a thank you and an applaud? Awesome, awesome. We also, uh, at first service, um, which was full, by the way, it was great. Um, we had about 13 people, we mentioned, um, from Washington, Vancouver area uh, that came for a full week of Hurricane Harvey relief. We were at Robert's house and some other places working with SBP as well. And so uh, they, they've been working their tails off. They came to first service so they can go change and go back and, and continue to do some work. Um, we've been at Robert's house now for several months. Robert's one of the persons that I showed you guys um, several months ago that we immediately went, started helping, mucking, and getting everything ready. And we're getting so close to being done with this home. Um, we're much faster than FEMA. So it's so great uh, that we've been able to work with, with him and uh, many, many others. So uh, we just want to give that special shout out. And of course, to mention, we have our app. Please make sure you go to our app or have some updates coming up. We have an In the Word series coming up, uh, a class talking about how to study the Bible on Saturdays, our CLGs, our City Life Groups. Uh, meeting and a lot of other things. We've got a, several men's meetings we're going to be doing over the next three months and a Rockets game. Anybody interested in going to see Rockets together with us? So uh, we're going to have some fun times as well as some some really um, um, good times getting in the Word together. So, hey, I want to get right into our series today. We're starting a new series um, starting this week and we'll go another uh, five weeks into the end of February and we're calling it Soundtrack. If you haven't seen our our uh, uh, board back there. We have some amazing artists, and they just did a great job. The, the concept of soundtrack is, I, I don't know if you ever watched a movie without a soundtrack, um, but when you watch movies, how many of you guys like to watch like horror movies, and, and you like to watch them with people that like to talk to the screen? Anybody like that? Um, I love watching people that talk to the screen. It's like, don't go in there. No. You know, it's just more fun. It's more vibrant. It's more exciting. And, but you always hear that kind of ominous music. And, and you just know, like we're background looking at it. We know, don't do that, man. Don't, don't go. Don't go in the cemetery. It's a horror movie. What are you doing? Right? And, and you just want to talk to the people. There was this movie that came out relatively recently called Silence. And it's about martyrdom and things like that. And, and being silenced for your faith. And uh, a really fascinating movie. I think Andrew Garfield was in it. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's interesting. It really makes you think. But in the movie, as a part of Silence, um, the director was Scorsese. He actually had no music and no soundtrack in the movie. So it's almost like real uncomfortable watching it because you just hear the wind and the rain and the waves. And that's it. And it's just like he's building this tension because there's no sound. And we're used to having sound. Um, I know in my life, I always picture I loved it if I could hear a soundtrack to my life because um, it would help me know what to do or, or where to go. Don't take that job. Don't do this. I know if, if there was a soundtrack for my life, I know the first soundtrack I would have heard when I met my wife, I probably would have heard something like this. See, just hearing that, Hearing that sound, oh, that's the one. Now, I was nine when I met my wife, so that could have been a little awkward. But we were in elementary school. But 
that's probably the soundtrack I would have heard. I would have known that's the one. Now, of course, the soundtrack she would have heard for me is this one. Of course. Yeah, you know, 100%, I'm walking, nine years old, what's up, girl? I was more like, what's up, girl, right? And she hears this soundtrack and she knows that's the one. Now, in my relationships, though, there were other girls um, that I, I probably, I wish I would have heard something like this. No, no, keep going. Ah, oh, there we go. Miss her, kiss her, love her. Right, that girl is poison. That would have helped. Um, or maybe for you, that boy, he's poison. He, he don't have a job. Like, whatever you would have heard. And, and how helpful would that be in life? Just see, Nobody else hears it, but you hear it, and it guides you. And, and the idea of soundtrack is we're going to be going through the book of Psalms and about five different Psalms we're going to study and look into because I feel like I'm so thankful that God put the book of Psalms in the scripture and for us because Psalms does just such a beautiful job of building a, a soundtrack, I think, to the scripture, to our life because it deals with emotions. It deals with worship and it deals with prayer. Now, I, I grew up and in thinking about emotions... There, there's really two different ways we deal with our emotions. In my household, my household was the kind of household that vented out their emotions completely. So we were loud at the dinner table. We're at level 11. Like everybody was emotional. Anybody have a household like that? You would talk things out. You'd talk and talk and talk and be crying. And by the end of dinner, everybody yelled. But, but then now we're hugging. Or, or maybe someone went to the room mad. And it was really, I hate you. <laughs> that was kind of, my household was just kind of a loud household. Now, my wife's household was on the other end. They stuffed all their emotions. They kept them inside. And so they didn't ever talk about like, feelings and what's what's going on on the inside of just how's your day and it was kind of like Spock like you know just just everything's logical if you don't deal with emotions it's easy let's just figure everything out and and most of us are like that and our culture deals with emotions similarly I, I think religion a lot of times deals with emotions in the sense of just stuff them in don't talk about it those emotions they're bad they're the devil you say everything's the devil right you kind of have that feeling and that emotion so we don't want to deal with that we don't want to talk about your emotions just don't give in to them just don't talk about them stuff them and then I think the world and the culture a lot of times says fully vent your emotions this is who I am everything right this is me right like just just let me let me tell you everything about me and what I feel that's just who I am if you don't like me at my best or my worst you don't get me at my best and my emotions are just fully vented all the time and, and I think both are dangerous and the scripture, and specifically Psalms, I think, teaches us because you see David and other people writing these songs and writing this poetry in a beautiful form, but it's very emotional. And I think that gives us a license and a way to approach God in a beautiful way to say, listen, we don't stuff our emotions. We don't fully vent them to just everybody and live and let them be in the driver's seat of our life. But we can ultimately, the Bible teaches us, we can fully pray our emotions and give them to God. And allow him to now direct our life and how we live. Now, when we're dealing with emotions, we've talked about this before in church. It's been a little while, but 
We believe, and the scripture teaches, that you are spirit, soul, and body. Just like God is Trinity, Father, Son, uh, Holy Spirit, you are made up of a trinity. You are a spirit, a soul, and a body. Let, let me give you a scripture to back well, at least one. I have plenty, but First Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right here, look at the slide. You are, we say you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Now, Scripture teaches that upon the, the fall of man in creation, Genesis 3, that we lost, God said, you will surely die. And what happened is our spirit died, our connection to God, the, how we could hear and listen and feel and interact with God, that got cut off. And so now we need to be reconciled back to him. And Jesus says in John 3, you need to be born again, born of the spirit. You need a new spirit because it's been dead. Now, upon becoming a Christian, you, you get a spirit. You have a soul, and the soul is the inner part of who you are. We would say yes, the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And we're going to look at that. And then, of course, you have a body. These words under here, uh, go, go back, I'm sorry. These words under here are the Greek words. Spirit, pneuma, meaning breath or wind. Um, suke, which is soul. These are all Greek. And then finally, soma, which is the body. So this is who you are. This is what you're about. This is why you have some feelings that are this way and some feelings that are this way. Now, the soul is the thing that the Bible says is being renewed, is being transformed, is being sanctified. Your spirit, upon receiving Christ. You are born of the Spirit, and now you have a relationship with God. You connect with God, but your soul, the inner person who's been working out and have all these things, is now in conflict with the Spirit, the Bible says, and it is slowly being saved. It, you are learning. It's called sanctification, and your body needs to be your slave. When your body leads you, it's really, really bad in your life. Now, your soul, though, here's interesting, and you can put this slide up now. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So your thinker, all right, your chooser, and your feeler, how you feel. So when the Bible is talking about, and when we're talking about emotions, I want to set this kind of foundation, and then we're going to get into Psalm 3, because I want you to understand this. And, and a psychologist, uh, I've got a psychologist friend that taught me this, and it's really interesting. I thought it was really good. But a lot of times, psychology, they understand that your personality or your soul, maybe could be the same thing, mixed of your mind, your will, and your emotions, it longs to be integrated, in sync, united. And so something happens in our life where we have our emotions on one side and those emotions come and go. We can't really control them. If I dropped a hammer on my foot, I'm going to feel with my emotions a certain way. Now, how I react to that, I can control. I can control my actions and I can control my thinking. The Bible goes so far as to say this, take your thoughts captive, control your thinking so you can change it. And the word repentance means change the way you think and act. And so I can change my actions. I can change my thinking, but my emotions are all over the place and I can't necessarily control them. Now, here's what happens, especially people that, that you, you'll, you'll, you'll stuff your emotions down or you'll fully vent your emotions and you put them easily on the driver's seat 
of your life. So you ever had this happen where you woke up and, you know, you had an okay day before, but you woke up and just this overwhelming feeling maybe of depression, anxiety, frustration comes over you. Anybody ever felt that before? It's called Monday morning, right? You ever had that? And so this happened and it's just like, where did that come from? But then what happens if you allow that to control you, like you couldn't control that coming, but now your, your soul wants to be integrated. It wants to come and be the same. What happens is you start giving vent to that emotion. Now you start thinking about all the things that have been frustrating you or people that don't like you or so-and-so. I can't believe they did that to me, right? And then your actions will also come in alignment because your soul wants to be integrated. Do you understand this? It's actually a really beautiful truth because once we get this, when an emotion comes that we can't control, we realize I can control ultimately what I do with that emotion if I change the way I start thinking. So this person I'm thinking about, and they've been so rude, and I think one person's been mean to me, and everybody's against me. You ever felt like that? And then, then you start acting defensive against everybody. I don't want to make friends. I don't want to know you because everybody thinks this. And you've talked to somebody maybe before where everybody says this. The way scripture wants us to deal with it is not fully vent it, not stuff it, but to pray it and go to God to it because ultimately he wants us, to, he wants to help change that emotion so our actions and thinking aligns with what he wants out of us. This is extremely profound and will be very helpful for this series. I want to look at Psalm chapter 3. And I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to go back, because I want you to see how relevant this story and this poem is to our life to help us pray our emotions and not be stuck on either side. Watch this, Psalm 3. It starts with the subtext, save me, oh my God, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Look at this, verse 1. Oh Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God, Selah. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Now, it's a beautiful poem, and it's easy to read. And you just read it real quick, and then you go about your day. The crazy thing is when you actually study it and think about what it's saying, it can absolutely change the way you deal with fear and anxiety. And that's what we're going to talk about for the remaining of the time. Dealing with this emotion of fear and anxiety that comes over us. Now, I want to bring context because context to scripture is so helpful. It really brings a new life to the scripture. It's like some of you, if you've ever, you watch Star Wars maybe for the first time or you have your kids watch it, but they don't know the whole world and they're just watching, they're going, that's a little cheesy because that was done in the 70s. 
but you give them context and they start understanding things. And the scripture is the same way. So let me give you some context. And it tells us David wrote this psalm, this poetry, this song when he was fleeing from Absalom, his son. Now, David at this time when he wrote this psalm was a king. And if you know anything about the story of David, this is the same David that killed Goliath when he was a teenager and rose up, ended up being king at 30 years old. Well, he has, he has many wives, and then he starts having sons and daughters. And one of his sons, which is Absalom's brother, Amnon, Amnon saw Tamar, which was one of David's daughters, so it was his sister, and loved her and lusted after her in his heart. Well, he gave full vent to that and raped her. So Amnon raped Tamar. David didn't really do anything about it, but it made Absalom so mad, he plotted and for two years finally plotted and killed Amnon, his brother, to avenge his sister. So there's a lot of, it's like days of our lives, there's a lot of bad things going on within this family. Well, this kid Absalom gets removed from the kingdom for years because he killed his brother and it wasn't the way they thought he should handle it. And so he gets removed. He's not talking to his dad. And then finally, after about two or three years, he comes back. You can read all this in 2 Samuel chapters 12 through about 18. You can read about his life. I'm just giving you the synopsis. He comes back to his dad and they start kind of a relationship. But Absalom, still bitter at David and wanting to ultimately become king because he's thinking, I'm going to be a better king than you. So Absalom, instead of just loving his dad and getting in favor with him because he was the rightful heir of the kingdom, decided, I'm going to go against this back. And he started setting up at the sitting gate, city gates as people would come in. He would start talking to them and say things like, hey, I would, if I was king, I would give you justice. And I would sit and talk with you all day to make sure you had justice. And, and not only was he witty and smart and good with people and charismatic, but he was, he was a gorgeous dude. He was handsome. He had these long, flowy hair. That they said weighed five pounds like Thor. You know, he, he's probably buff and hammer. He did all that kind of stuff, right? And so he's that kind of guy. And the Bible says he starts stealing the hearts of the Israelites. All the way to the point, David gets a hint and finds out that he's coming for the throne. David, King David, and some of his men leave his, his home, the, the castle, and take off because he's literally fleeing for his life because his son has about 12,000 men coming to take the throne and kill David and take over as king. So David's in a little bit of a pickle. David has what we would consider great fear and anxiety over his life. Now, he comes in now and writes this psalm while he's fleeing from Absalom. You got the context? This is relevant to us because maybe you've had someone in your life, like I have, that have come and tried to steal your identity and livelihood and very life that brought fear and maybe fear of death, but I think even worse, anxiety, which is fear ultimately that I'm going to lose my full identity of who I am. If that's ever happened to you, you can relate to David. Let's look at this verse one. David says, and watch the rhythm as we read slow, and you see this rhythm of venting to God, praying to God, but ultimately coming back to what his identity is. Oh, Lord, he says, 
how many are my foes? Look at this. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. The key word there is many. There's all these people out to get me, saying things about me or coming to kill me. Again, read 2 Samuel. He's got 12,000 people just coming after him. He has a lot of people after him. But listen, it's not just a fear of death. This guy was a warrior. David had been in battles. It wasn't just a fear of death. It was an anxiety. It was a fear of taking his very throne, his identity, because David was king. Have you ever had someone at your workplace you were friends with, but all of a sudden they come and you start thinking, I think this dude wants my job. I think this lady is after something. And you start being afraid they're going to backstab you or somebody tells you, yeah, all this is happening. You start hearing around you. This is what David was feeling and going through. And his livelihood, his whole significance, his whole worth was built around being king. I mean, he was anointed as king, literally by a prophet at a young age. So his whole life, he knew this is what he's going to be. And is God going to take this away from me? And look what it says. Many are saying, I think this is what David struggled with the most. There's no salvation for him in God. In other words, many are saying God's done with him. God's done with him. Maybe you felt like that before. Maybe a lot of bad things happened in your life and you felt like, man, I feel like God's done with me. I, know I had feelings like that the past year when it's taken forever to get a permit in here. Things are going crazy. Then our architect dies. I'm like, Jesus, are you done with me? Like, what's happening? And here's the deal. This is that emotion of anxiety and fear that is not of God. And you have to talk to that lie and speak to that lie and talk to God about that lie because that lie is that when things are going bad, it means God's gone. And when things are good, it means God is there. And if you believe that, that's not the God of the Bible. Because let me tell you today that things will go bad in your life. I'm sorry, but it's true. If, if you want to believe that only good things happen when God is around and when God's, uh, you know, when God's around and bad things happen, it, it, you might as well be an agnostic or an atheist now because I'm going to save you a lot of grief because that is not the God of this Bible. And David was, was falling and said, God, I feel like everybody's against me. But listen, his whole life was wrapped around this emotion of fear and anxiety that what if somebody comes and takes my throne? What will happen? And that was guiding his thoughts. But look as he turns, watch him. But you, and I feel like this section, he starts repenting and he's praying to God. But you, O Lord, Yahweh, you are my a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Look at this. He goes from, everyone's out to get me. They're going to kill me. They're saying, I'm done. God is done with me. They're saying, I'm going to be fired. I'm done doing what I'm doing. And he says, but you, you're the lifter of my head. You're the shield about me. Now, let me say this. If you woke up this morning and grabbed a shield and showed up to church, two thoughts I would have. One, you crazy. <laughs> Security, right? Um, Two, you're expecting trouble. See, because the shield around you is there to protect your vital organs. It's there to protect you if you're expecting something to come at you. 
And so again, God is not the God of making everything easy for your life. And David says, no, you're my shield though. You're going to protect the very vital part of me. Look what he says. You're the lifter of my head. You're my glory. That word glory in the, in the, in the Hebrew is kavod, which means weighty or of great significance. When we say, God, your glory or you're glorious, I want your glory. I want you to be of the utmost significance in my life is what we're saying. You to have the greatest words, power. You know, we use this term. Do you understand the gravity of this situation? Like the weightiness. We used to, in the 80s, say, that's heavy. You remember that? Um, Watch uh, Back to the Future. He says that all the time. Um, That's heavy. Like that kind of concept. That's the kavod of God. That's the glory of God. That's the significance of God. And he says, and he's like repenting. Oh, yeah, God. Kingship is not my identity and my glory. You are. And you're my shield. And when I have that right, I know trouble's going to come, but it will not get my vital organs and the, the utmost part and the significant part of me because it's wrapped up in you and nobody can take that away. And this is how he starts shifting those emotions and changing his attitude and fully venting to God without being led by his emotions because he's now changing the way he thinks and he's reminding himself who God is to him. You're the lifter of my head. Imagine this small, ruddy kid watching sheep when God comes and says, you're gonna be king. And he's reminded, oh yeah, it's nothing I did. You're the one that started this whole thing. Look what he says. I cried aloud to the Lord. So it's emotional. I'm crying out to God. God can handle your pain. Any preacher, anybody that's ever told you, oh, don't say that to God. That's dumb. He can handle it. You need to make sure you come around and remind yourself who he is. But he can handle your emotions. He can handle your pain. He's a counselor. He says, I cried aloud to the Lord. Look what he says. And he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I, I love this. You know why? Because he's pointing to how we can know that God is the lifter of our head and our shield. Look, look, think about David. David was not a great father. David ended up being an adulterer and a murderer. Not a great guy. He didn't have a lot of merits to stand on to say, God, I know you listen to me because I'm king and I'm awesome. He couldn't say that. He says this right here. I know you hear me not because I'm great or because of my stature or because of my kingship, but I know you hear me. Why? He says it. I love it. And you got to pay attention to it. And you go past it if you go too fast. He answers me from his holy hill. What does that mean? Well, when Abraham brings Isaac to Mount Moriah, getting ready to sacrifice him because God told him to, The Bible says God made a sacrifice. That same mountain became the mountain, Mount Zion, that the temple was put on and the priests would bring, the the people would bring sacrifice to the priest every day, every week, every month, every year. And those sacrifices would be atonement, would make things right for the nation. So what he's doing is saying, I don't look and depend on my own Stature, I look to your holy hill. I look to Mount Zion because I know right now there's a sacrifice on my behalf, and that's what makes me right. What he's saying is, I'm right, and I know you hear me because I have faith in your salvation because I know it's happening every day on my behalf. Aren't you glad this is so relevant today? 
Because looking on the other side of the cross now, we do not look to our own merits and our own way to go, God, I know you hear me. And even though circumstances are crazy and my emotions are all over, I'm giving you that. But I know you're for me and you hear me and you're my significance, not because I'm so awesome and so great, but because I look to the mountain. And that mountain, listen, was the sacrifice of God himself, Jesus. And I look to his sacrifice and what he did now. I know that reconciled me, that brought me back to you. And this is what Christianity is all about. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. My significance is made and given to you. This is how we get just out fully of our emotions because we dive deep to say, what is truly am I living for? What is most significant in my life? My job, my career, me being a father or dad, and he comes in this repenting form. I look to your sacrifice and faith in you. Look at this. Now he says, I lay down and sleep. Listen, I was anxious and fearful before. And you know what anxiety does? You can't sleep. Right? You need Prozac for that. He says, now I can sleep. Now I can sleep because I know who I am. I know whose I am. I know you're with me because I'm yours. I'm your son. And my full identity is most merited in you. And he says this, I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I'm alive. I'm still here. I don't have the Mondays. Verse 6, I will not be afraid. Now watch how now his, his emotions go from fear and anxiety to comfort, peace, Encourage. Look at this. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people. And literally, he has 12,000 people after him. But now he's going, I'm not afraid. I've given you, I've fully come to you. And now I have courage because at the depths of my heart, you are there. I'm not afraid of the thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. He says this. Now arise, O Lord. Now he gets into some militant prayer. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. And he's seen this happen before. And he's going, when I know God is my glory and not my kingship or my fatherhood or my good or bad deeds, but I know God is my glory, now I have the confidence to say, you take care of it, God. Now, some of us read this and go, ooh, good. <laughs> Don't be so prude. Like, those, some of these David prayers are good. You know why? Because he's praying for justice, and our God is a God of justice as well as grace. I mean, we do a monthly ministry of human trafficking. You know who needs justice? Are these women and children getting taken? And if we don't have prayers that are militant, we're not, I don't think, doing the work of God ultimately. But here's the deal. We're not saying we're going to go in and kill everybody. We're saying, God, you take care of it. You are my vengeance and my reward. You're my shield. Be their shield. And now you are crying out for other people, and it's not about you all of a sudden. Isn't it amazing how our emotions are about us? And when we give them to the Lord, we start having emotions for other people to bring justice. And he says this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be 
on your people. Selah. Now, this word Selah, we haven't mentioned. It's actually kind of cryptic. Nobody fully knows what it is. There's some people that believe it, it means to stop and think and ponder about this thing. We have uh, Bernardo who uh, named their child Selah, right? Beautiful. And uh, love that name. Nobody knows. It's, it's also, it also could be just a musical term, like an instrumental. Like, but the, the idea is to stop the music or stop the singing and talking and thinking and just allow that to resonate and think about what it is we're saying. And he ends by saying, God, you're my salvation. Not even my circumstances, nothing. I rest and I'm complete in you. If I have you, I'm secure and confident in everything. And if you don't know the end of the story, it's actually very interesting. Some, some tides turn and things happen. Absalom gets some bad advice and Absalom his David's son ends up on a mule. And the very thing that brought his, his pride and his glory, Absalom's pride and glory, and his, his locks of hair and, and, and just his, his charisma, he actually, if you read the, the scripture, his hair gets caught in a tree and the mule keeps going and he's dangling from a tree on his hair. And David's men come by him and go, oh, that's interesting, and kill him. Now, David didn't want him to kill him. David actually asked, don't be harsh with him. But they ended up doing what David didn't want because David knew and I think felt responsibility for this, but knew that God is our salvation and he brings blessing to the people. He wanted to extend grace, but at the end, Absalom, the very vanity, the thing that controlled him and led his emotions and led him to do things actually was the thing that struck him down, his very hair. And yet David here, who had sinned and been led by other emotions, but came back and repented and changed the way he thought and felt and everything, and God rewarded him. You know what this tells me for us? That our salvation, no matter what you've done, where you are, you can change right now. You can change today. And not let the past and the things that have controlled you and held you down in in your demise. But God can turn it around and be your salvation and make you a blessing to the people as well. And that's what we learn today in Psalm 3 and dealing with fear and anxiety. So the rhythm of it is vent it to God. Talk to God. He can handle it. But then remind yourself of who God really is. And the culture and the narrative that says he's against you because bad things are happening, that is a farce. That is not true. In fact, he's more with you a lot of times when bad things are happening. And you realize he's your shield and you realize that that pain and I believe those feelings that come on us actually are like triggers. Just like when your oil light comes on, they're like triggers to say, hey, something's wrong. Something is at the heart of who you are and owning your significance. You're feeling like you want to die because you're so anxious. And that means something at the root of who you are is wrong. Take that to God and be reminded who he is and come to him. Will you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we come to you, God, to fully vent, to let you know our fears and our anxiety, our worries. Lord, and to repent, God, that we put other things ahead of you and make other things our glory and not you. 
God, I ask in this place that your Holy Spirit moves, opens our heart to make you our glory. Lord, to control our emotions by changing the way we think. And ultimately, that makes us make better decisions. Lord, we look to your holy hill, not ourselves. We look to your son, not our works. If you're in here and you don't know this God, maybe you've heard of religion and maybe you've always stuffed your emotions and feelings because you don't understand a relationship with God and God who loves you so deeply. He knows you from the inside out. He knows every hair on your head, every problem you have, every feeling you have, and he has made the way ultimately for you to be fulfilled and to live in the joy and hope goodness and kindness of the Spirit of God. I want to invite you as we're praying, we're opening up to to any and everybody, but especially want to invite you, if you don't know God, we want you to know Him. We want you to make your significance and glory be about Him because that's how you were created. That's what you were created for. And you might be all over the place trying to figure things out because you are doing what you weren't created for. You're putting water in your gas tank and you're not going very far. But God has designed you in a way that when he is your full glory and significance, no matter what happens, you could be like, David, I'm not afraid. I'm not anxious because you're with me and you're my shield. That's what God brings in a relationship through Jesus Christ. We want to invite you to that. If you're in here and you've just been dealing with fear and anxiety, or maybe you have a family or somebody you know, we want to open up this time and just pray for you, love on you, and give you an opportunity to pray for those people. And let's pray some justice prayers of deliverance and helping people in their time of need. Let's worship and pray together.